calling all reactive dog owners. I made a program just for you. Reactive Redefined is an online coaching program that will give you the practical skills and the emotional support to make huge strides in training with your reactive dog. Reactive Redefined is open for enrollment now, but only for a limited time. Reactive Redefined closes for enrollment on January 15th. So if you want to be a part of this life-changing program, head to my website, agfdogtraining.com slash reactive redefined to learn more. to Disorderly Dogs, the podcast for dog owners. If you find yourself in precarious predicaments with your dog, this podcast is for you. I'm Rachel Harris. I'm a certified professional dog trainer, and I hope to give you a fresh outlook on your dog's behavior and practical dog training advice. Welcome back to another episode of Disorderly Dogs, the podcast, Reactive Redefined Case Study Edition. So I have another one of my lovely Reactive Redefined students with me tonight. So um, do you want to go ahead and introduce yourself for the listeners? Yeah, sure. So my name is Ronnie and um, I own a two-year-old Reactive Border Collie Mix. (laughs) Oh my God. Okay. So tell everyone her name because it's amazing. Yeah. Her name is Boost. (laughs) We had so many good dog names in this group. Okay, so so Ronnie, I want to hear um, kind of the backstory, like how Boost came into your life. Yeah, so I had already had my first dog, Lily, for about six months, and I was like, you know what? I was like, I need another dog. <laughs> so I went to the shelter, and I just saw Boost, and she was like the cutest thing ever, and I was like, I have to get this dog. <laughs> so how old was she when you adopted her? She was one year. I adopted her actually on her birthday. Oh my God. Okay. So she was a year old. Okay. So, um, did you know anything about her previous to like prior to adopting her? Yes. So when I went up to like the front to say that I was interested in her, they were like, Oh, this is her background information. She has been rehomed three times. And I asked them, I was like, well, what's wrong with her? (laughs) Because I was like, why has she been rehomed so many times? And they were like, no, she's perfect. Everything's good. They said that they just rehomed her because she was apparently too big. And I believed them. I didn't think she had any issues. And I took her home. And that's when I found out, you know, she was reactive. (laughs) Okay. So did you figure that out like super early on? Or was she with you for a little while before you started to see like the reactivity? Uh, No, it was like from the first day that I took her on her walk outside. We like our neighbor's dog was outside and she just lost it. Oh my God. Okay. So do you want to describe to the listeners? Well, one, what she's reactive to, and then what that like presents as like the behaviors you're seeing. Yeah. So boost is mainly reactive to other dogs, specifically reactive dogs. And then any kind of like small animals, like squirrels or um, like chipmunks, stuff like that. And her behaviors are different from others that I've seen. She does like the normal holy lungy kind of stuff but she's very unique in the sense that she likes to scream instead of bark <laughs> and it's high pitch right like it's yeah. a very loud sound that comes out of her yeah I've never heard her like make that sound before but yeah it's like a high pitch scream yelp thing <laughs> oh my god okay and then like best guess why do you what do you think the emotional causes or was 
behind the surface level reactivity that you were seeing? Uh, at first I was scared that it was aggression because I had never dealt with a dog like this before. And then I soon came to realize that it was really just frustration based because I took her to a dog park and I just let her run around another dog came in and they were playing just great. She's really great with other dogs. She's really friendly. And I just realized, oh, it's just the fact that she just can't get to these dogs and play with them sooner. Right. Right. And it's hard. And I think that that's like a, a hard thing for like people to realize, you know, is that like in Boo's case, the behavior is very contingent on the leash, right? When there's no leash present, she's great with dogs, right? She's got great social skills. She can be really successful with dogs. It's just that I'm on the leash. I can't get to them really elicits that intense response from her. Yeah, definitely. Oh my God. Okay. So, um, I want to hear just a little bit of like backstory. Okay. So you adopted her at a year, you knew she was reactive right away. What did you do training wise initially to work through the reactivity? Yeah. So I was like completely lost because I had never owned a dog like this before. I was like, what do I do? And unfortunately, when I first started training with her, a lot of my area of where I live is, um, dominance-based, balance training kind of base. So I started off using that. And obviously to an extent it worked because, you know, punishment suppresses the behavior. So it Do you worked. Want to explain that a little more detail. So like the tool you used and then like the, the, pro the product because of it. Yeah. So, um, I saw like a lot of trainers recommend using a prong collar and like giving a correction when the dog elicited those behaviors like lunging barking pulling all that so I did that and you know it stopped her behaviors for a while you know she stopped lunging and barking and doing all this stuff and I thought it was great I was like awesome you know she's not doing all this stuff anymore and but over time it seemed to get like worse like if I just happened to not have the prong collar on for that day she like noticed and like the behavior was just like 10 times worse and I was like oh my gosh I was like, what is going on? I don't understand. And I think that that's the challenge, right? Because like the allure of balanced training, dominance-based training is they promise instant, instant results, right? Quote unquote results. And the problem with that is that yes, right? Punishment does work to stop the behavior in the moment, but it doesn't go deeper, right? Like it doesn't solve the emotional reasons for the behavior. Um, so, you know, I, I really appreciate you sharing your story because I think a lot of people can relate to this. So, um, okay. So you were using the prong collar and it was working for a while and then it started to be like, oh my God, this is making it worse. So what did you do then? Um, I realized I just had to find like a different kind of method. Cause this obviously wasn't working. Cause at that point I had basically become reliant on the prong collar. Like I would, so I was so scared to go out without it, you know? And I was like, this probably isn't healthy, <laughs> you know? Right. So I started looking for other methods and that's when I found the force free community. And I was like, Oh, they're against prongs. And obviously I was really skeptical, especially how like the balance community sees force free trainers. I was obviously skeptical, but I was like, I have nowhere else to turn what else am I going to do? And thankfully I did join your um, reactive redefine group. Yeah. So I remember you did, you sent me a message on Instagram and you were so nice. You're like, if you don't have time to answer this, that's okay. But like, would you mind sharing what force free training means to you? 
Right. And I feel like I was really clear about like, you know, it doesn't mean we're not going to like make dogs do things, but we're always going to take the kindest, least intrusive, minimally aversive route. So it seems like you did a lot of research. It seemed that like you were like, okay, I need better answers and I need to ask qualified people questions so I can get a better grip on this. Yeah, definitely. I, I reached out to you. I probably reached out to like five, six other trainers. Cause I was like, I need to know if I can join, you know, um, the forestry community and be able to see results. Um, okay. So what, what attracted you to reactive redefined? Uh, well, I was looking through obviously a bunch of other uh, forestry trainers, but what really attracted me to your course was that it was specifically designed for reactive dog, whereas other trainers were just like, oh, just get a consultation. But I was like, I was like, I don't know, you know, like, I don't know any of these trainers yet, but yours seemed the most promising. I was like, well, she has a course specifically dedicated for reactive dogs. And also on our in, uh, messages on Instagram, you also stated that you work almost exclusively with reactive aggressive dogs. I was like, this is awesome. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And for everyone listening who doesn't know this, I've been working specifically with reactive and aggressive dogs for my entire, entire dog training career. Um, I started training dogs in 2012, right? So we're going on into my ninth year of training. So yeah. And that's why I created the course because I'm like, I've done this for years and years and I just combined everything I'd learned and put it into this online program. So as far as the program is concerned, can you tell the listeners, um, as far as like the, the training tips, the training, um, exercises that I gave you, what kind of blew your mind at first? We were like, wait a minute this is how it works? Yeah. So one of the things that really blew my mind was like, um, oh, kind of like avoiding your triggers or at least the higher list triggers at all costs. I was really confused, especially since before, uh, you know, a lot of balance trainers always say like, oh, you have to make your dog work through it and you know, all that kind of stuff. So I was really surprised. I was like, oh, when you told me to avoid uh, small animals and squirrels in the beginning at all costs, I was like, oh, that's weird. <laughs> Right. And for everyone listening, you know, we, we work through a progression, right? And I, and I do my best to try and help everyone understand. I'm going to ask you to do this thing now. This is not a long-term plan. This is a short-term plan, but it's really important that we can get success in lower distraction environments before we're asking our dogs to do what we want them to do in those really high stakes settings. And that is for the dog's well-being, right? Because I never want to put you or Boost in a situation where you feel like you have to use punishment to get the desired outcome. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it was it was really different, like the course, especially how what I had known before, at least what I saw before in other trainers. And it was, but it was really helpful though in the end. Yeah, right. And I think, you know, I can only imagine like coming from like doing balance training and being like, just a little taken aback, right? I think people are really surprised when I tell them things and they're like, wow, that doesn't seem right. I'm like, oh, but it is data, science. Yeah, it's, like, it's crazy. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So in addition to that, right, like avoiding triggers, can you share with the listeners what else as far as like the training exercises are concerned, like really you got the most value from? Yeah, for me, it was definitely uh, like the healing or walking on my side while doing the look at that kind of uh, procedure that definitely helped the most for me. Um, I had always struggled with boost and her pulling like she was a strong puller. 
So like getting her to be able to walk on my side without having to use a prong was amazing. I was like, I never thought I would be able to get to that point. Yeah, being able to get her to walk without uh, by my side without the prong collar was like amazing. I honestly never thought I'd get to that point. <laughs> Um, and then doing like the look at that exercising while she was at heel, it really helped change, um, like her emotional reaction to other dogs, knowing that, Hey, I don't have to bark and lunch and scream (laughs) to get to another dog. I just have to walk nicely and I'll get it. (laughs) And I think that over the, the, the timeline of the course, you and boost grew exponentially as a team. And like seeing your video progress over the the couple of months of the course was amazing. And something we talk about in really great detail in the course for everyone listening is body language, right? And I have everyone share videos of their dogs reacting so that we can really decipher like, what is this body language? What do you think is the emotional cause behind it? And really seeing the progression of like boost body language shift from like, frustrated to not sure what to do to like so confident and engaged with you was so freaking beautiful. Yeah. I honestly love seeing her growth. Like if you would have told me three months ago, like, Hey, I can, I bet I can make your dog walk by your side and not react to another dog across the street. I probably wouldn't have believed you. I'd be like, no, (laughs) but like being, you know, like giving us that step and that those informations and the progress on how to do it, like really helped me like achieve the goals. I never thought I could with boost before. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, so for everyone listening, there's a group coaching element, right? So we all just meet on zoom and we catch up and we watch videos and we share wins and we share challenges. So Ronnie, I just love to hear like your perspective on that, right? Like what, what did you like about the, the group aspect of it? I really like the group aspect because it really made me feel like I'm not alone in this. Uh, like there's other people also struggling with the same issues as me and I don't have to feel so isolated and left alone and unsupported when I know I have these other people that are also going through the same thing and that we could always support each other. Yeah. Right. And I love that so much. And I love that you all can connect outside of the group too. Right. Because there is, there's such a beautiful community of, um, dog people on Instagram. And it's, it's really been so cool to see everybody get to know each other and connect and support each other, even outside of the group calls. Yeah. Yeah. It's been really good making like, you know, under knowing that it's not just me struggling with this issue. There's other people also, and we can always be supporting each other through, you know, our progress of training. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So I want you to kind of share the timeline for the listeners about like, where her reactivity was before you started reactive redefined and where you guys are at now. So if you want to kind of share like thresholds and training plans kind of then and now. Yeah. So before, um, I would like kind of Google, like how to help you react to dog. And obviously they would all like the sites would recommend like the look at that method, but I never really understood how to implement it. I would always start off like way too close and then get really frustrated and be like, well, why aren't you learning? (laughs) You know? And, um, you know, her thresholds for being able to see other dogs and other animals was like really wide like I would be on one side of the street and I could have a neutral dog on the other side of the street and she would lose it at the side of it like she would start barking lunging you know howling whatever 
And same thing with squirrels. Any type of squirrel, whether it's like moving or running or stationary from like across the street, she would just lose it. And it, it was like ridiculous. Like I was like, it was to the point where I just didn't want to go outside with her anymore for the fear of seeing another squirrel or a dog. And I think so many people listening can relate to that. Just the like impending doom of like, oh my God, what is going to happen when they see X, Y, or Z? When you made the transition from the prong, did you go to a collar? Did you go to a harness? Like, can you tell the listeners just a little bit about like what that transition was like as far as like her pulling is concerned? Yeah. So I think I just like woke up one morning and I was like, I'm not using this prong anymore. And I literally threw it away, like in the garbage. And the same day I went to get um a y-shaped harness because I saw that was the best one that force free trainers recommended and I just got it the same day and then I was like I'll just use this I guess <laughs> and um obviously her pulling was still a little bit uh more than usual because the prong was what was stopping her from pulling so we kind of had to like go back to basics again on how to walk nicely on a leash right. but it was definitely worth it though Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So for everyone listening, I just, I want to be clear that there's absolutely a transitionary timeline between using a tool that inflicts perceived punishment to the dog and a tool that doesn't, right? So if you've been using a tool like a choke chain, an e-collar, a pinch collar, your dog is responding because they want to avoid that stimulus. And when you remove that stimulus, it's very common that you're going to start to see the very behavior you started to use it for. You have to be patient and remind yourself that there is a transitionary period here, but it can get better. Yeah, definitely. I know when I switched over, like at that point, I had already thrown the, thrown the prong away. So I was like, well, I guess I can't go back now. <laughs> so I was like, I just have to make this work. And obviously it took a little bit longer than I wanted, but it was, it, it was been so much better for Boost. Like I saw literally her ears go from constantly being back to, you know, being forward and natural and, and, and loose, you know? And I think too, like seeing like the progression of your videos is like, her willingness and desire to like check in with you and see what's happening with you, I think has really improved too. Yeah, definitely. And I like how it's, it's like voluntary now. It's not because, Hey, I don't want to get corrected. It's now it's because, Oh, if I look at her, I'm going to get a reward. Okay. So before any dog in sight line, any squirrel or chipmunk in sight line was electing quite a reactive response from her. Yeah, as so, soon as like, an animal got into her sight line, she was like, I'm, I'm losing it. <laughs> right, okay. And then just so we can give the listeners some perspective, she would have her reactions. And then what did her recovery time look like? Right, so she'd have her reaction. Could she shake it off pretty quickly? Was she still staying hyped? Like, tell us what that was like before reactive redefined. Yeah, so she would still stay um, pretty hypervigilant for quite a while, like probably like four or five minutes. And it'd be crazy because I would try to get her to respond like to her name to like a cue like sit or whatever. And she just like couldn't do it, you know, and it was like crazy. I would like most of the time after she had a reaction, I would just be like, we have to go home because she's not going to make it through the rest of this walk. Right, right. It was it was a it was an ender, right? You're like, yeah. okay, game over. We're going home now. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And that's hard, right? Because like squirrels and chickmunks are super hard to predict, right? Like, and it's it's really hard to get out and not see those in a day-to-day setting. 
Yeah, it was really frustrating, especially since, you know, with my other dog, Lily, when I first had her, I would just, I would always go love to go on long walks with her. And I would get so frustrated because I couldn't do that with Boost. I was like, oh, this is so annoying. <laughs> yeah, no, when it is, right? Like when you're used to, when you get spoiled with a dog who's really easy to walk, you kind of take for granted like this skill set and like how not all dogs just come pre-programmed with that stuff. Yeah, I was really surprised. I don't know why, but I felt like all dogs were like my first dog, Lily. Like I never had to teach her how to walk nicely. She just did it. And then when I got boost, it was like my world turned upside down. <laughs> we all get those dogs, right? That, that teaches everything. Yeah. Okay, so um, you did a little bit of avoiding of, of squirrels and chipmunks in the beginning per my, my instructions. And then over the course, right, as I started to see updates of videos, I encourage you to add in more distraction. Can you tell the listeners kind of like how that experience was, like having the feedback and those specific instructions to proceed and increase criteria when Boost was ready? Yeah, at first I was a little scared just because I was like, this is, you know, our highest trigger yet. Um, so I was like, I don't know how I feel about this, but I was like, you know what? She's a trainer. She knows what she's talking about. I'm just gonna do what she says. So I did it. And, um, I did it obviously slowly just to be able to make sure like Bruce was under threshold and over time, like her tolerance for being able to see a squirrel and a, a moving squirrel from across the street has like built over time. Like before she would react immediately and now she can kind of tolerate it for like a minute or so good that's so good and something else we really talked a lot about inside of the course was utilizing utilizing the pre-mac principle right so using the very thing that is the distraction as the reinforcement and i know when i told you that it was a little overwhelming you're like how do i do this right and i think that a lot of people kind of get taken aback when i'm like just let the dog chase the squirrel and they're like excuse me what yeah, I was definitely to, like ignore the squirrel. So do you want to share just a little bit like of how that progression was for you guys? Yeah. So when you told me to just get, like let her chase it, I was like, oh, okay, I guess. So I like in my mind, I like didn't understand how this was going to work. I was like, I guess. So like I took her to a park and it was like the weirdest thing. Like she saw a squirrel. I like asked her to sit for like a second and then I just let her go <laughs> and she just chased it. And I did that for about like 30 minutes. And I was like, I don't know how this is going to help, I guess. And then I did it like the next day and I did it over the like, next few days. And then over time, I, you know, started realizing that she, um, her tolerance for not having to chase the squirrel became longer. So like now she could tolerate um, seeing a moving squirrel and not have to chase it immediately. She could actually respond to my cues on like before when she would just completely ignore me in the hopes of, you know, maybe this time I'll be able to chase the squirrel. Yeah. And it's hard, right? Like it's hard to let go of that sense of control. And I think that that's a lot of what's alluring to people on the surface about like balanced dominance-based training, right? Is this illusion that you're going to have this control over your dog. And for me, it's, it's so outside of the realm of what I'm thinking about, you know what I mean? And like Boost being a, a border collie mix, her instinct is to chase things right? Like genetically built in. So yeah. taking that completely off the table, not really. It's one of those things where like, I want her to be able to live a fulfilled life and a fulfilled life is chasing things. 
She yeah. is a dog, right? But we did it. A, you executed it in such a thoughtful manner. And I'm just, I'm so pleased to see you all progress with it. And you start to understand like, oh, this is what she was talking about. Yeah. Yeah. It was definitely like amazing seeing like the results on how using the pre principle like could change her tolerance on seeing like squirrels and like yeah it was like a hard pill for me to swallow at first that I was like she is a dog she is gonna want to chase things like almost every other dog and I have to live with that you know (laughs) I have to understand that she's not always gonna um not want to have that instinct to chase a squirrel or a rabbit or or whatever (laughs) yeah and like she's innately a dog, right? Chasing things is dog. That's part of being a dog. And I don't want to take that off the table. I just want to harness that and use that in appropriate outlets. Yeah, definitely. There are times where, you know, um, I'm like, okay, we can't chase a squirrel right now, but tomorrow, if you want, we can chase squirrels all day. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Okay. So do you want to kind of share the progression of Um, her reactivity to dogs. So do you want to give them just a little bit of context of like how you had more opportunities to train just because of where you were working at the time? Yeah. So her progression of being able to see another dog has grown so much. Like before I couldn't even walk across the street from another dog without her reacting. And, you know, I have videos, if you've seen them, I have videos of her being right next to another dog and being completely calm and neutral and relaxed. So, and I think um, being able to work, as you know, in the, I worked in a training facility, I had access to lots of different types of dogs, neutral dogs, reactive dogs, you know, big, small, all kinds. So that really helped me progress um, so fastly in her training. Cause I, I would like bring her every day and train her there. Yeah. So I have to commend you, right. For really doing the work. You took all of the pieces that I, of advice that I gave you and you really executed them so beautifully. And I think that that's really important for everyone who's listening. If you're interested in joining Reactive Redefined, you're really going to get out of it what you put into it. And you and Boost are living proof of that, right? I gave you very specific advice. I gave you very specific things to tweak and feedback and you did, and you were able to progress so quickly through the material. Yeah, I was really happy. There are definitely days where I was like, "Ugh, I don't want to have to do this. But I was like, you know what, at the end of the day, it's going to be beneficial for both me and Boost, knowing that, hey, I could be able to walk in my neighborhood and not have to worry about her, you know, like reacting like crazy every single time we see something. So that was always like in the back of my mind, like that's the end goal I really want to work to. So like, that's what always kept me motivated and trying to train her every day. Well, and I think the fact that she's so young, right? Like knowing how much future you have with her and how you invest all of this now, you just get get to enjoy that future that much more. Yeah, it's so much better. Like now, like today, or it was the other day, I literally recorded a video of us walking on the same sidewalk as a reactive dog. And she just like kind of looked at it. She seemed a bit unsure, but then she was like, you know what? She disengaged and looked right back at me. And I was like, I never thought that was like ever possible for her to do. And it was just such an amazing feeling. My God. And like you have empowered her to make better choices, to feel more comfortable. And like, I love how sustainable that is, right? You don't have to, she doesn't have to wear a prom collar for the rest of her life. You know what I mean? You're, You're not, you're not married to just one tool, right? Um, So yeah, you guys made such amazing progress and, you know, you made a a lot of progress throughout the course, but do you feel like you still have the skill set to keep working through it, even though 
the, the group calls are done. Yeah, so definitely all the skills that you gave to us in the in the course is, are definitely going to be with me forever. Like I have them written down and everything. Because, you know, even though this course is over and I've progressed already a lot with Boost, that doesn't mean I'm going to stop uh, training her for her reactivity. I'm still going to be doing that probably for the rest of her life. And that's okay. You know, I'm willing to do that knowing that now I can do so many more things than I couldn't before. Yeah, absolutely. And do you want to just speak to a little bit about like the connection between you and boost, like since ditching that prong and really like diving headfirst into force free training? Yeah, so our relationship has honestly gotten so much better. Like before I used to focus on all the negative things she did and, you know, like punish her for the negative things she did. I was like, I don't want you doing this. And, you know, obviously I put a damper on our relationship. And when I switched over to force free and, you know, rewarded things I did want to see and redirect, you know, undesirable behaviors, our relationship just got so much better. Her responsiveness to me got so much better because before she knew that coming to me was not such a good thing. And now coming to me is an amazing thing. Oh my God. Yeah. And truly like, so, um, for those of you listening, I'm going to attach an image of boost so you can see her adorable ears, but, um, boost is one of those dogs that her ears are so freaking expressive, right. And like, there's no question in how she's feeling based on what those ears are doing. And like, I mean, truly seeing her ears forward and the tips of her ears, like bounce while she's like walking with you and watching you. I never tire of seeing that mutual joy. I really just never do. Yeah, it's, it's she's so adorable. I love her. <laughs> I love her ears. That's one of the things that really helped me understand like her body language because her ears are so clear. So I always like knew how she was feeling and how to like, you know, react to how she was feeling and adjust her training plan to that. Yeah, absolutely. Right. And having those tools and like, obviously, no, now you know how to read boost better, but I think that that skill set just helps you with every interaction with any dog right? Yeah. Even outside of just boost. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So Ronnie, do you have any advice for reactive dog owners that are listening that are maybe struggling and they don't know what to do? Yeah. So I know it can definitely feel very frustrating. I know I can feel like you're alone, but trust me, you're not alone. There's literally so many of us that are going through the same thing. Uh, there's so many of us like on the internet, on Instagram, uh, on Facebook that are here willing to support you and understand what you're going through and give you great advice. So I just, I always want to say like, just keep pushing. I know it seems like a long way away, but when you get there to the end of that tunnel and you reach your training goals, the feeling is literally so amazing knowing that you can do so much more things with your dogs that you couldn't before. Oh my God. Yes. Okay. So Ronnie, for everyone listening, if they wanted to connect with you and maybe just chat on Instagram, can you tell them your handle? Yeah. So my handle is Ronnie B L E H. Um, well it's underscore Ronnie B L E H underscore on Instagram. (laughs) Nice. And I'll be sure to link that up in the show notes so people can find you. And, um, yeah. And like I said, guys, I'll include um, a picture of boost so you can see how adorable she is. Ronnie, you are amazing. The world is truly a better place because of people like you. And I know that you and boost are just going to keep kicking ass and taking names. Yeah. Thank you so much. It really has been a joy being um, in your reactive redefined course. It's literally changed my life so much. Thank you. 
Thanks for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you'd like to learn more about how you can connect with me for training, you can go to my website, agfdogtraining.com. If you'd like more training inspiration and insight, you can follow me on Instagram at a good feeling underscore NCO. If you'd like to become a member and support the podcast, please check us out on Patreon. You can check us out at patreon.com slash disorderly dogs. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast so that you don't miss out out on any future episodes. And if you really like this podcast and you want to go above and beyond for me, you could leave a five-star review over on Apple Podcasts to help more like-minded individuals find us.